0: Um, Here's kind of the whole idea behind this series in case you weren't here last week. I know a lot of us were gone, including myself. Um, I I wanted to do a series uh, that that really I feel like is going to really speak to where you are uh, at at this stage of life very well and the things that you deal with on a daily basis. I know we've spent the last several weeks talking about some heavy stuff, talking about some big stuff, and and we've spent the last several weeks trying to convince you To take a step of faith and to do big things, God-sized things with your life. I mean, we've literally been walking through the book of Acts and calling you to go out to make disciples, to be courageous, to be willing to suffer for the name of Jesus if that's what it means. And so listen, I, I'm, I'm real enough and, I, and I'm, I live in the real world enough to know that there had to be some of you that may have listened over the past several weeks as we talked about reaching 23,000 students in our area for, for the sake of Jesus Christ when it came to me sharing some of the stories of, of things that some students are doing around the world your age, when it came to sharing stories of how people are suffering for the gospel all over the world, I could only imagine that when I shared some of this stuff, maybe you sat in your seat and you go, okay, James, hang on, that sounds fantastic, but uh, newsflash for you, dude, I'm a high school kid. Like, I'm just a teenager. Like, James, seriously, that that sounds awesome. And maybe that's what my mom and dad should do. Maybe that's what my brother or sister should do who's in college because they've got it a little more figured out than I do. But, James, I don't know if I can really be that courageous. I don't know if I can really share Jesus like that. I don't really know about this whole reach 23,000 students. James, I'm just a teenager, like, man, I'm, I'm worried about, like, getting zits off my face and graduating high school, right? Like, I, I'm not so sure that I can give my life over to everything that you have talked about over the next several weeks. So here's kind of what I want to do through this series, okay? And it's a short series. We did a week last week. We're doing a night. We're doing next week. Um, but, but here's what I want to do. I want to just kill that I'm just a teenager excuse. I just want to kill it. I want to beat its brains in. I want to leave it dead and bleeding all over the place. And I want you as a teenager to walk out of this room and to never buy into the lie again that you cannot do something great for the kingdom of God because you're just a teenager. Listen, I'll be honest. I think that is a lie that our culture has put on you. And it makes me sick Listen, can I tell you how many students I've talked to and, and I share my heart, man, you can do great things for the kingdom. You can make an impact, make a difference. Reach your friends, reach your family. And I hear, I'm just a teenager. Who told you that? Well, my teachers, I'm MTV, uh, the stupid shows, I watch the radio people. I mean, I'm supposed to just be a teenager, right? I can't tell you how many parents that I've met with. Parents who go to this church, tell me what some of their students are doing? Well, they just stay wasted all the time. I can't get them to to do schoolwork. They're just lazy bums. They talk back to me. They disrespect me. They don't want anything to do with a family. And then here's the line. I promise you that I've heard this over and over and over. I mean, I'm hoping that it's just a teenager thing and that they'll grow out of it. Do you think, James, could it be that they're just a teenager? And I'm going, no, because if they're a follower of Jesus Christ, they don't, I don't care how old they are. They don't act that way. Tell them to come talk to me. I'll tell them what's up. Guys, it's a lie. Can, can I tell you, the reason it fires me up is because our culture has told you to buy into the lie that you're just a teenager and to live your life doing nothing great for the kingdom, nothing great for, for, for eternal things. And the thing that gets me so fired up is that so many of us buy into that garbage— so many of us hear it and we go, yeah, I am just a teenager. Well, I mean, culture expects me to live like that. Might as well live like that. I'm just a teenager. Culture expects me to act this way. Might as well act this way. Culture expects me to just be a teenager and to waste my teenage years away. Maybe I can get my life figured out one day. Guess that's what I'll do. Guys... I'm just a teenager, has never been a a good excuse ever in the history of mankind to not do great things with your life for the kingdom of God. And my prayer is that from last week to this week to next week, that you will walk out of here and again, that will be a lie that you no longer buy into. Because, man, I I believe God has great things for some of us sitting in this room if we will pursue those things. Tonight, we're going to talk about a group of teenagers who decided that that, that excuse, I'm, not, I'm just a teenager, wasn't a good enough excuse for them just to kind of fit into their culture, do what was expected, and bow down to the things around them. You see, they saw their teenage years as an opportunity to take a stand and do great things for the name of, of the one who had created them and saved them. So listen, here, here's what I want us to do. Let's go Daniel 3. Let's go to the book of Daniel. It's in the Old Testament. Um, one of the prophets one of the bigger prophets, hopefully you'll be able to find it. If you don't have a Bible or you can't find it, we're going to have the, uh, the scriptures up here on uh, the screen so you can follow along. Okay, so, so here's kind of what we talked about last week. Last week, my boy Brad spoke, and he introduced you to the guys that we're going to talk about tonight, along with another guy that this book is named after, Daniel, right? And kind of here's the scene. Daniel and then the guys that we're chatting about, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, teenage guys. 15, 16 years old. And the Babylonians come into Jerusalem. So imagine we get invaded by Canada. I know that sounds ridiculous, but let's just go with it because they're close, okay? So just imagine we, we get invaded by Canada. Canada comes down to good old Dallas, Georgia and goes, hey, we're ripping you out of everything you know. What we're taking, you know, forget your family, forget uh, Chick-fil-A, forget high school, um, everything you know, just forget it. And by the way, forget English. We're going to teach you French instead, okay, because we want you to be fully a part of our culture. We're going to make you uh, make the things that are important to us important to you. So we're just going to rid you of everything. This is what's happening to these guys. They are your age, and some people called the Babylonians have come into Jerusalem and ripped these dudes away from everything that they know. That they've even changed their names. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego used to be Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah, and the Babylonians are so serious about stripping them of, of their God-given identities that they change their names to Babylonian names. Okay, so that's what we covered last week, and, and these dudes made a daily decision to be set apart to the Lord. So in Daniel chapter 3, we find a pretty familiar story that some of you guys, if you've grown up in church, probably heard this back in the day in good old Sunday school, drew pictures of this. Um, But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come to a place where they have got to make a decision. And the decision that they have to make is this, Are we going to just be a bunch of teenagers who are going to bow down to culture, bow down to what's expected of us, or are we going to take a stand for the kingdom and do something that counts? And so we're going to walk through this story, and uh, man, I I pray that uh, God does something in your life tonight. Let's read this starting in verse 1, Daniel 3. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was a king of the Babylonians, he made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. Um, just because we don't speak in cubits, it was 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. That is a big piece of gold, okay? 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. This was this big, huge, golden image he made. It says he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, and then King Nebuchadnezzar sent together the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. The satraps, all these same guys, all these government officials, they come for the dedication and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed... He says, okay, everybody that's here, I want you to listen to me. Here's the deal. You are commanded. This is a command. We're not going to talk about this. You have no option. When you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and all these kinds of music, what you need to do is you need to fall down, worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, and whoever doesn't fall down and worship, we're just going to cast them into a burning, fiery furnace. So there you go. You can bow and life is good. You just fall down when you hear the music. You worship this thing and life is good. Um, If you don't fall down when the music plays and worship this thing, then, uh, then you die by us burning you to death. And so the Bible says, listen, as soon as these people heard this music, they fell down and they worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now this is where the story gets really, really interesting. So again, you picture this. All these people from all over the place, I mean, they're standing in front of this golden image. We don't know if King Nebuchadnezzar had made it of himself, of another god, if it was some, you know, random whatever. I don't know. But it's this gold statue. You fall when the music plays. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a different plan. You know, it's almost like maybe they didn't hear the fiery furnace thing, but um, when you read the Bible, you find out that they did. If you keep reading, here's what the Bible says. It says, at that time, Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews... So, man, these little brown-noser tattletale guys come running up to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they start talking, to, you know, making his head big. Oh, king, live forever. You're so amazing, King Nebuchadnezzar. And they go, hey, don't you remember, you made a decree. King Nebuchadnezzar, you made a decree that when the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, all these music, when it was played, you said everybody should fall down and worship the golden image. And you also said that whoever doesn't fall down and worship, they're going to be cast into a fiery furnace. And these guys go, hey, there are some Jewish guys in the back. These guys who you appointed over the fairs of Babylon, their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys, king, they're paying no attention to you. They're not bowing down. They're not worshiping your gods or the image that you've set up. So when King Nebuchadnezzar hears this, and instantly he is angry. The Bible says with furious rage, if you see it in the next verse, with furious rage, he looks at these guys and he goes, go get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you bring them to me. And so these tattletale brown guys, who we all love, um, they went, they found Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they brought these guys before the king. Now look at this, Nebuchadnezzar answered these guys, and he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen, is it true that you're not worshiping my gods or the golden image I've set up? And and I love this because the king goes, okay, now let's try this again. If you're ready, fellas, are you ready? Are you ready? No, if you're ready, we're gonna do this one more time. We're gonna play the music, the harp, the bagpipe, the lyre, the trigon. We're gonna play all this stuff. And man, if you just fall down, look, he says, well and good, everything's good, man. Life is good, just fall down, worship the idol that I've built and everything's good. But again, he goes, if you don't, We've burned you to death. You see the fiery furnace over there? We throw you in that furnace. And I love this question, and we're going to get to it again in just a few minutes. He goes, and if I do that, who is the God who's going to be able to deliver you out of my hands? You know, it's like King Nebuchadnezzar going, everybody expects you to just fall Down and worship what everybody else is worshiping. So if you will just do what's expected of you, life is good. If you don't, what God's gonna be here on your behalf? Listen, guys, you as a teenager, you are faced with these kind of decisions, this kind of decision, every single day of your life. Listen, the decisions these guys had to face was this, and maybe it'll make sense. These guys are standing here, and here's what they had to decide. They had to decide, man, we can just fall in line. We can be like everybody else. We can worship this thing, bow down to what culture expects us to, save our lives, not look stupid. um, Or the other side of that is we can take a stand. We can take a stand for what we believe in and for what we know is right. Right? We can do what God has told us to do and not worship anything or anyone else but Him. We can remain different. We can choose to be set apart in this culture that's trying to change us. And we can just refuse to bow to this stupid, silly thing that one day is no longer going to matter. Guys, you as a teenager are confronted with these same decisions every single day. Are you going to stand for what you say you believe in, for what you know is right? Are you going to choose to be set apart for eternal things, for the kingdom of God, for the name of Jesus? Or are you as a teenager going to go, I'm just a teenager, and start bowing down to the things that culture and our broken, sinful world is trying to convince us to worship and give our lives to? Um, I'm going to run through a list. I'm going to run through a list. And you guys have heard me talk about these things before. Um... uh, let me back up one step. Before I do that, I need to give you a, I just need to make sure you know what an idol is. Because some of you here, you may hear idol, and you're going, James, our culture doesn't have big golden images. Okay, here's what an idol is. An idol is anything that you value more than God. An idol is anything that you worship in place of God. An idol is anything that you bow your heart and your life to other than him. That's why in Exodus 20, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he goes, remember who I am. I'm the Lord your God. I delivered you out of the house of slavery in Egypt. Don't have any other gods before me. It was God going, don't value anything more than you value me. Don't treasure anything more than you treasure me. You worship nothing in my place. You bow down to nothing but me. I'm God. I'm God. So an idol is anything that we bow our hearts and our lives down to other than him. So, so let me give you a list. Again, I've talked about these over and over. Um, let me give you some examples of idols that I see in the lives of you guys every single day. Okay? And I think that you'll agree with me as I go through these. One is this. Popularity and image. That's an idol. That's an idol that our culture expects you to bow down to. That's, that's an idol. Popular in the image is a big golden statue that our cultures put up and said, if you'll bow down to this thing, life will be good. Listen, worry about you, worry about how cool you are, worry about how many people like you, worry about how much stuff you have, worry about what everybody around you thinks. Don't worry so much about him because if you live too much for Jesus, you're going to be weird and not a lot of people are going to like you very much. So you worry about you, worry about the clothes, worry about the places, worry about the people, worry about the things you do so that people will like you and think that according to our culture that life is good for you, man. And you see, culture, again, I don't know if, if you like to buck the system like I do. When I hear somebody expects me to bow down to something I think is stupid, I go, I'm not doing that. Some of you are just bowing down, man, right now to this popularity image thing. And my prayer is that it would disgust you so much that you'd go, I want to buck the system. I want to bow down to that. Culture expects me to? No, that's not cool. Man, I got bigger things to live my life for. That's an idol. Another idol is this that, that culture expects you as a teenager to bow down to, and, uh, and one that we see all the time, is this is just, just being busy. Just busyness. Some of you guys are so busy with life when it comes to things like sports. I'm not saying sports is evil. I'm just saying some of you guys worship it. That's dangerous. Because, what do you do when you're 40 years old and your knees are gone, and you can't play anymore? Then your idol's laying broken on the ground and you're trying to figure out what to worship now in its place. Like, if you're a good athlete, I always say go be a great athlete and make much of the name of Jesus on your sports team. What I'm saying is don't start to bow down to, to sports and your sports team so much that it takes the place of who you worship. Some of you guys do this with school. Some of you are involved in every club, every activity. Some of you guys do nothing but study. Again, I've gotten in trouble for this before, and I'll say it again. Some of you guys take way too many AP classes. And why? Because that school out there is what you're worshiping. That job that you want one day so badly, you have bowed all of your time, all of your attention to, and it's become an idol for you. Now, I'm I'm definitely not saying you be lazy, and I'm definitely not saying don't work hard. If you're smart, go be smart. Go be a doctor, a lawyer. Go do something like that and make much of Jesus in that profession. You know, if you if you got a brain like that, go have some intelligent conversations with people who have brains like yours. But don't ever get to the point where you start to worship these things in place of him. Culture expects that of you, man. But what about this? And I'll, I'm going to rag on some people for this one because I was this kid, so I'm fine with making the room uncomfortable for a minute. Some of you guys worship boyfriends and girlfriends. I'm sorry, you do, man. It is sad. Um, I wish somebody at 16 would have told me how pathetic I was and that I would have actually listened. For those of you that are in here that can't go five minutes without having a boyfriend or girlfriend, you have an idol. You have an idol. And it's a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's attention from somebody of the opposite sex. And you see, some of you guys have idolized boyfriends and girlfriends so much, you've left God far, far, far behind, and you've started to slip into other things because that person is what you worship. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I was this guy when I was a teenager. Oh, no, 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 I love the Lord, right? And you get so consumed with that other person in your life who, if if you're honest with yourself, you value and love way more than you love Jesus. And so what happens, man, as you hear this book taught or you read it, and, and man, you you have no boundaries and physical stuff starts happening and very terrible emotional investments start happening. And before you know it, this thing is God-awful ugly and it looks nothing like like what what would glorify Jesus at all. And the reason that happens is because you have an idol. And you see, when, when we bow down to those things... That culture expects us to bow down to and they become God rather than God being God in our life. It always turns ugly. It always turns ugly. That's why some of our small group leaders have had to take time with you guys and listen to you spill your guts. Listen to you cry your eyes out and go, you were right. When you told me put up boundaries, when you told me don't date that person, when you told me all those things and I didn't listen because I didn't value him enough to say no to that idol and I chased after it anyway, now my life is in shambles. I'm a wreck. I saw that I had a worship problem because I was worshiping the person instead of him. And now you were right. I'll say you were right. Guys, if you could live 10 years in the future, you wouldn't do most of the stuff you do right now. And I pray that you listen to my heart and you listen to the hearts of those who are investing in you every week when we're telling you, don't bow down, don't bow down. It's an idol, it's an idol. Culture expects it. It's an idol, don't bow down. Value Jesus, let him be everything to you. I promise if you get that at this stage of life, man, life will be so much easier and joyous for you. But what about this? I could go on with a lot. I'll end here just for the sake of time, and I I hope that you're getting it. What about about like a secret sin? What about that sin that has crept into your life and is destroying you right now, but um, you won't tell anybody because you're ashamed and you're scared of what people are going to think, but it's got you. Man, you find yourself constantly bowing down to it, even when you don't want to. Like, it's kind of God. Like, it controls you. You cannot control it no matter what you do. You know what I'm talking about? I see that in the lives of teenagers all the time when they want to come and they say, James, I need to chat. And we sit down and they spill something that nobody knows and they go, James, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I always want to go, you you have an idol. It's a worship problem. And we've got to get to the root of it. We've got to help you see who God is so that you can correctly worship him. You see, culture, again, expects you to bow down to these things that they have set out in front of you. And why? Because you're just a teenager to them, man. You're just a teenager. You're easy. You're an easy target, right? They're just kids. They're just teenagers. They'll bow down to this stuff. And what I'm saying is don't buy into the lie. Let God use you to do great things for his kingdom and for the name of Jesus. You see, this is the decision that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made. If you go back to the story, look at this. Look at this. And we're, we're about to wrap up. In Daniel 3, back in verse 16, after Nebuchadnezzar said, we'll just throw you in there and who can save you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Don't you love that? They're looking at the king going, we don't, we don't need to answer you. But then they look at him and go, here's the deal. If this happens to us, if you want to throw us in the fiery furnace, our God who we serve is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us, O king. But even if he doesn't, you hear that? He goes, man, our God is able, our God will. But even if he doesn't, even if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up you know the rest of the story, right? Like King Nebuchadnezzar just gets so mad. And he looks at his guards and he tells them, listen, turn up the furnace seven times hotter than it normally is. And these guys, they they bound these three dudes and they went and they threw them into this fiery furnace. The Bible says it was so hot that even the guys that were bringing them to the furnace were killed because of the flames shooting out. It's just crazy stuff. So they throw these three teenage boys into this furnace for refusing to bow down to this, this idol that the king had set up. And all of a sudden, the king looks over, and he sees something in the furnace. And he asks one of his boys, he goes, hold on, wait, 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 didn't we just throw three kids in there? And the guy goes, yeah, why? And the king goes, look, look, look you can see four guys walking around in the middle of the fire and the fourth one looks like a son of the gods. And King Nebuchadnezzar starts shouting, hey guys, can you hear me? Guys, come out of the furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come walking out of the furnace and the Bible says that their hair wasn't burned, their clothes didn't smell like smoke. The fire hadn't even touched them. And the king looks at these boys, and he's amazed, and then he looks at the rest of everyone, and here's what he says. He goes, guys, let it be known today that this God who these boys worship, no one can rescue in this way. No one can save in this way. And he says, if anyone ever says anything bad about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I will cut them into pieces and throw them in the same fire. There is no God who is able to save like their God." You see, guys, if you will be that teenager who goes, I am not buying into the lie anymore. That that I'm just a teenager. No, 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 I'm done with that. And I'm done bowing to the idols that culture expects me to bow down and worship. Listen, I will take a stand for what I know is right. I will take a stand for the kingdom. I will take a stand for the name of Jesus. You see, what's going to start to happen is this is that people are going to start to take notice that Jesus is a very present reality in your life. You see, how cool was it when these guys looked over at the furnace and it wasn't just the three boys, but guess who was sent in the furnace with them? It's a big theological word called a Christophany. It's an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. And they're all throughout the Old Testament. And you see, these guys, because they took a stand, what happens? Jesus becomes real to the people around them. You see, when you take a stand and when you go, man, I gave my life to him. He saved me so that my life could make much of him, bring him honor, bring him glory. And I don't care if I'm just a teenager. I'm going to let my life count for something. And I will give all my, I will value him and treasure him more than anything else. Let people say what they want. I don't care if I look stupid. I don't care if I look silly. I'm living for eternal things here. And all that I care about is people knowing that Jesus is real in me, that he is real through me. And I want people, when they look at my life, to be able to say, there is not another God who can save and deliver like that guy's God. There is not another God who rescues like that girl's God. Anybody got anything bad to say about their God? I'll cut you up right now. Not really. We don't want that. But you see, guys, that's what happens when you take a stand. And so here's my prayer tonight. And we're about to end. My prayer tonight is that we would have some people just stand up, going, "Man, I've been living for stupid stuff far too long. I've been living for like really like I've been living for a boyfriend and girl. I've been living for for popularity. I've been, no, no, no. I'm done with that. I want to start living for Him. I want to start treasuring Him, the Jesus who came to save me. Like that's who I want to treasure. That's who I want to value." My prayer is that you would pick up whatever idol it is that you're bowing down to and you would smash it tonight. Again, beat its brains in and leave as a kid who worships no one else than God. That's my prayer. And so here's what we're going to do tonight. Um, in just a minute, we, we've got the baptismal full again, and I couldn't think of a better way to just have some people smash idols than just to climb up in the tub and go, All right, I'm ready. Tonight, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm busting my idol. I'm not bowing down to it anymore. And, and I didn't think of a better way of us symbolizing what Christ is doing in our lives. And just to climb up in that tub, if you've never been baptized before, if you don't know Jesus, come tonight and let us, let us do this thing. Baptism doesn't save you, but it is a, a symbol and it is a statement to the world that Christ lives in you and that he is your treasure. So tonight, in just a minute, man, if you want to get baptized, whenever I close, I'm just going to ask you to come follow me. I'm going to stand right here, and I know a few of you have already said you wanted to do that. So um, if you're here and you're going, I'd love to do that, James, but clothes, towels, we got all that. We got you covered. We got clothes. We got towels. You don't have to worry about that. You can come. We'll take care of you. Tonight, man, if you're serious about truly giving your life over to the Lord, I I want to ask you to do that before you leave. Again, tonight... I don't know what it looks like for you. Maybe for some of you it just means, hey, babe, we're done. Uh I figured out I've been worshiping you instead of him. So we gotta call this thing off because I gotta get things right. Some of you are going, you're stupid, James. No, really, you need to. You need to bust out an idol tonight. Not really bust it up, but you need to you need to call it off. Some of you need to call your boys and go. Hey, bro, instead of this weekend, us going out and getting all stupid, how about we meet tomorrow at Starbucks and let me share Jesus with you? And you bust that idol up. Some of you tonight, with that secret sin you keep bowing down to, you need to grab your small group leader and go, I need to confess something to you. I need you to know so you can hold me accountable why I'm done with this thing taking me out. I don't know what it is, man, but we need to do some business here tonight. I truly believe that. Some of us, it's just getting in that tub and it's saying to the world that we're in, so, so let me pray for us. Let me pray for us. And after I pray, man, we're going to have the guys come out. They're going to lead us in a song or two. And we're going to do business. You do whatever you need to do during this time, okay? Let's pray.